This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. God, I assume Tom. This man is a rock and roller. Oh, absolutely, man. You got to even woo yourself. (laughs) In animation, he's been with Goof Troop, DuckTales. He's worked for Disney, Two Stupid Dogs, a million other things. Animaniacs is back. Jess Harnell, how are you, my man? Ron, fantastic, man. And thank you very much for having me on. It's great to talk to you, buddy. Dude, it's my pleasure. Listen, I've talked to Rob a million times. He's always been cool with me. I finally got to talk to Tress last week. She was awesome. So we're rounding her out, man. We're rounding home. Listen, you got all the siblings together. It's a family reunion. (laughs) Here's the big thing I got to ask because I forgot to ask Tress this. Oh, okay. The original Animaniacs ran for 99 episodes. Yes, sir. Which my level of OCD would have killed me that I didn't get 100 even. Okay, go ahead. Now the Animaniacs is back. Does this add to the original count and we've already hit past 100? Or is this a whole new ideology behind it so it works, we're starting to count over again? Well, I can give you two uh, two ways to look at that, RC, that are kind of cool. And there's good news and bad news. Well, actually, there's good news and better news. The original run of Animaniacs, it, you might think it had 99, but it actually had 100 if you count Wacko's Wish, which was a feature-length uh, like movie. So that was actually like three or four episodes right there. So if we make Wacko's Wish 100, we hit that magic number. And now with the new ones, it's a brand new animal of a beloved, you know, animal we used to love. And it's a a fresh new count. We already hit 13. We got 13 more in our back pocket, man. Beautiful. So we're either adding to the original count or restarting with a new count, counting the one of the films that was a part of it. So we're all past 100 no matter what. Woohoo! We made it. Yeah. <laughs> it only took 27 years to get there. I know, man. How crazy is that? But you know what? It's like I, I always say when people are talking to me about the re- reboot that you know I was so freaking happy and blessed to have a chance to work on it the first time, and it, it's nothing if not more so the second time. So I'm very, very stoked about it, man. You know the the cool thing is like we'll go back and watch it now, and stuff we didn't catch as kids as adults were like, whoa, how'd that get past the censors? Oh, yeah, it was absolutely written completely with that in mind. You know what I mean? It's like they, they, they knew from the get-go they were writing it on, on for adults as well as for kids. And that's one of the things that I love mo- most about it, man, is you can say, okay, this is a quote-unquote children's show, but it's, you know, it, kids are going to love it because it's bright and colorful and the characters are wacky, but there's a lot of stuff going on there that mom and dad are going to get and laugh at, you know, and that's beautiful. And that goes all the way back to, to Chuck Jones with the original Warner Brothers shorts. And even oh, before, yeah. Tex Avery did the same thing. You know, so you guys played up a lot of that before, and a lot of that's still coming back. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I once met uh, Chris Freeling, and he said that the key to making, he was one of the founding fathers on the Mount Rushmore of cartoons, uh, and he said the key to making great cartoons is to make them for adults because kids grow up. You know, and you want it, you don't want it to be something they look back and go, wow, that really hasn't aged well. And I think that's another reason that Animaniacs, the original shows, are still funny now, man, because they were written in a very clever way. You know what I mean? And then the new ones too. And for people who don't know Fritz and should be ashamed of themselves, the creator of Woody Woodpecker. Yeah, how cool is that, right? So he's got a pretty good resume. Absolutely, man. And then Eric Bauza, who's currently the voice of Woody Woodpecker, has been on Animaniacs this season. So we got this whole oh, thing tied back into Fritz. Yeah, and you see everything. It, it all starts and ends with Fritz Freeling. <laughs> <laughs> man, 
you know, you grew up, your dad was a jazz composer, so music has been a part of your life. Um, it's a big part of the show. And yep. I asked Tress this a bit because I'm going to bring it, I'm going to round it back. You know, you obviously have the musical timing with the comedic timing to play there. But she also said that you guys kept the whole franchise alive by doing table reads at various conventions. So Wacko, you know, never really went away. No, man. You know what, what's, what's kind of cool, RC, is that, you know, we all have had really, really amazing uh, careers, thank God. You know, and, and it really is like a gift from God to be able to work that much because I always say that the only thing harder than being successful in show business for one year is doing it for two. So the fact that it's, you know, we've, we've all been doing it for decades is like, holy smokes, how did this even happen? You know, um, but it's, it's like... We, certain characters that you do, because you never know how how hard a show is going to hit or not hit the zeitgeist. And a lot of times, people will come up to me at cons and say, "Oh, you know, my favorite thing that you ever worked on was this." And I'm like, "Not to be ignorant, but what was that?" And they'll they'll tell me and they'll say, "Can you do the voice?" And I say, "Well, if you can find me a link on YouTube, I'm happy to do it for you because I I, I don't remember voices I I did last week that were just incidental voices." But Wacko never really left me because. You know, he, he emanated his, his humble origins are based in the Beatles, and I've loved the Beatles my whole life. And basically, you know, Wacko is an idiot John Lennon and sort of shock him down and made him little like this. He becomes Wacko, and that's all it is. So it's never far away. You know, we would be at these cons, and we'd be doing these twisted tunes things where we would be, you know, rattling off all these voices. And every time we did those, the audiences went nuts. So we were like, good, they still love them just as much as we do. You know, the first time I got to interview uh, Maurice LaMarche, I had, yeah. one of my friends said, hey, tell him. This is my favorite thing that he's ever done. And Mo, and Mo looked at me perplexed a bit and goes, I was in that? So, you know, it's funny yeah. to hear you say it now. Oh, yeah, man, because, you know, thankfully when you have a lot of credit, that, that does happen, man. And it's, and it's kind of wild because for the longest time, I forgot that I did some really – you know, big video games and people come up and go, I love this game. And I said, really, is it fun? And I had no idea if they were saying that to me because I was on it. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just happy to be anywhere, man. Dude, that, that's the important thing. But like, yeah. okay. So let's, let's go back to story time at the Harnell house. Okay. Because, you know, either when you were a kid, I'm not sure. I don't know if you have kids and I don't know if you want to tell us if you do or not, that's your business. But Voices come and go. You got to create them somewhere. Story time's got to be the place to do it. Well, you know, it would seem so, but it's like I, I think that with me, I was just always fascinated, you know, because I've been a singer and a and a voice actor, you know, for my whole career, and I was just always fascinated by voices. RC, and it's like I, you know, my folks when they would read me stories, I don't recall them really doing any voices, but I do recall every time I would see an impressionist on TV, I'm thinking that's so cool how they can change their voice to sound just like other people. I, you know, I want to do that. And what I would start by doing is imitating relatives and like getting weird cadences and you know people's voices and starting to uh, starting to do that. So like my dad, you know, he had this interesting thing that he did when he talked. He would emphasize odd words. Like he'd go, so I was sitting in a chair. And you're like, why, why, why did chair suddenly get this huge underlined and bold printed exclamation point after it? So I was fascinated by little things like that. And even to this day, if my wife and I are watching like a TV show and somebody has an unusual voice or an accent that maybe I haven't heard, I start whispering in that voice just to kind of put it in the arsenal and she'll look over me and she'll go, you know, you know, you're, you're talking. And I go, I am because I'm not really aware of it, but that's where stuff comes from. You just, you become like a, basically like a, an open fountain for voices to pour themselves in, you know? All right. So we know you're married. You've been married roughly a year now. So congratulations on your one year anniversary coming up. 
Oh, thank you. Actually, our anniversary was on the 19th, so it just passed. But, you know, heck, we want to celebrate all year long. I, you know, I, uh, I, I basically, you know, I'm fond of saying that I have been far too blessed for one individual and the, the best blessing of all I married a year ago. Wow. Congratulations on that, man. That's a nice way to put it. And I know she's sitting right next to you. So she can hear you say that and make it. So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what's funny? She actually, I, I say this kind of stuff. You know, when she's not there, she is sitting right next to me because basically we hang all the time. It's like John Lennon used to have this uh, this this great line when he would go, you know, when I'm going to learn that John and Yoko is one word, and I'm like, that's great because Jess and Kara is basically one word to me, and I wouldn't have it any other way because we're buddies. Oh, that's awesome, man. All right, Thanks, so what's bro. the pickup line then? You know, we're we're old enough to remember pickup lines. There had to have been something in that voiceover arsenal of yours that just worked. Well, I think that, you know, it, it was more, it was more like just a kind of sincere observation because I think that when we looked at each other the first time, we both went, Oh, there you are. You know, cause it's like, you know, they say that the truest, uh, the truest, you know, uh, reflection of love is when you, you look at someone and you see the reflection of your own heart in theirs. And we, we basically, from the time we met, we knew that we, we felt like we'd known each other all our lives. And, and it was just a really, really cool thing. And we both, you know, we both shopped around and had been on a lot of fruitless dates and fruitless relationships. But when the, uh, when the key hits the lock, you go, Oh, the door will open. And you're all of a sudden in a whole new world, like Aladdin says. Nice. And you were in one of the Aladdin movies. So. You're bringing it full circle again, man. Look at you, bro. You have done your homework. You know what's going on. I admire that. Thank you. Yes. I, 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 and again, that's one of those things. I know that I did that. And if you said, I love that voice, can you do it for me? I'd say, nope, you got to play for me because I have no clue what I did, but I was happy to be there. <laughs> hey, that's the important <laughs> thing, man. When you, you know, it's totally different now. You know, I, I had talked to Bob Bergen a couple of times about this. Uh, sure. I went on his voiceover cruise that he hosted, which was a blast, especially because, you know, we got to be in the middle of the Pacific and we're hanging out with Porky Pig. Yeah. I feel like such an ass doing the name dropping right now, but I'm tying this in. No, not at all. Is that, you know, initially you guys had to always go to the studio to record. And then when the world fell apart, everyone had to have their own home studio or sit in their, in their closet with a blanket over their head or whatever it was. Yep. How different is it now recording Animaniacs from you know, 20 plus years ago. Um, you mean in terms of the logistics and recording it alone and all that kind of stuff? Right. Versus the ensemble that you guys did back then. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny that you ask RC because, you know, the animation recording in general has changed quite a bit. When I first got into it, it was almost always full cast records, man. And you'd get booked from, you know, two to six or nine to one and you'd be there, you know, at least three hours. And, you know, the good news about that is that you got to see all your friends and hang out because we, we, you know, voiceover really is a, a nice community. It's like we don't really have too many jerks living in the neighborhood, you know, and everybody has each other's backs. So we would get to hang out. We get to make each other laugh and rip off each other and add lip together and that was beautiful as time went by it became more isolated in terms of you know obviously for commercials it's largely isolated in promos and things like that and voice match jobs but even with the cartoons they would record you individually and you know i always try to find the good the the, the bright spot and the bright spot for that scenario was that instead of stuff that would take me you know three hours i would get in and do my 50 lines as my five characters or whatever in 35 minutes and then go get Chinese food. So that wasn't too bad either. With Animaniacs, we always recorded together. 
You know, we always recorded as a group. And, and that, when this came back around, we did that again. And to tell you the truth, I was really, really happy about it because we do love each other. It's like that sounds like a show business cliche, and I promise you it's not. We've been to each other's weddings and divorces and, you know, kids' uh, birthday parties and et cetera, et cetera. So we loved being there together. And then when COVID reared its ugly head and we everybody had to isolate again, you know, we actively missed that and I hope that by the time the show gets re- you know renewed and we do more episodes and I feel fairly confident that'll happen if it doesn't then again man I was just happy to have had the ride once if not twice um, I hope that we will be back together again because there's nothing like hanging out partying with your friends and making each other laugh while you do it you know I just hope I get to be a fly on the wall and kick back with the engineer while you guys do it well I, I, you know what with your great voice man I hope that you're more than a fly on the wall and you're actually in one of the episodes how cool would that be that would be amazing you know, yeah, cool. if, if I get to shout hello nurse one time with you and Rob, then my life is made. Are right, you ready? Let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. Hello. There it is, man. You see, you listen, you're halfway there already. I'm halfway there, man. Yeah. How did that line come about in the original series? You know what? I heard that Tom Ruger, the guy who, uh, who so beautifully and, and amazingly created Animaniacs, uh, I heard that he had that line lying around for Buster Bunny, believe it or not, on Tiny Toons. And it was going to be Buster's catchphrase along the lines of What's Up Doc? By the way, I just heard this recently because there's been a proliferation of, you know, of Animaniac stuff on YouTube and everywhere else. But I guess it didn't really work for Buster. Yeah. So they decided to, you know, to say, hey, let's give it to these new characters. And it came about, and yes, indeed, it did become a catchphrase for, for the Warner Brothers and their sister guy. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing was, it took me a long time to realize when the credits would roll in the original run, and the Warner yep. Brothers, it'd be Yakko, Wacko pop up, and then Dot actually popped up on the period in Warner Brothers, and like it took me forever to realize that. I was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, there's a lot of hip stuff going on there that you got to pay attention to, and and you know, and and you'll catch it if you're if you're watching carefully, you know. When when you go back now, and you know, we can't pull the same jokes that we did in 1993. Uh, some right. for political le- correct reasons, some that are just inappropriate uh, by today's standards, uh, sensibilities, sensitivities, etc. Um, how was it to try to like keep that energy and that vibe going, but you know, with uh, with a postmodern twist? Well, you know what? What I think the that, that question really falls to the excellence of the writers that are on this show because you know, obviously, I think you know anything that was done back then, uh, you know, nobody had the slightest idea in those times that it might end up making people feel bad or hurting anybody's feelings, you know. And obviously, there's kind of a new awareness that's come out over the years, um, and I think the writers did a really, really good job because at the same time, you kind of say, well. You know, you don't want to offend anybody and you don't want to make anybody feel bad, but you still want it to be funny. And, and that can be a challenge, especially with a show that was known and kind of, you know, loved for being edgy. But I think they really found a good way to do it. And I hope everybody out there agrees. Right. Well, dude, the, the show's hilarious. It still has me in stitches as an adult. Uh, like, Thanks. You know, and then you quoted Fritz, you know, kids grow up and, and we kind of do. <laughs> the, the, luck, the luckiest of us, man, they, we, we may grow up on the outside, but inside there's still a kid there that's alive and well and having a great time in the sandbox, you know? Right. I'm still having fun in the sandbox. It's the standing up with my knees popping that are the problem. <laughs> that's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah. I mean, you guys are back together. Uh, Mo's in the show, you know, good feathers and, and everything that came with it. Uh, is it like, a high school reunion or a family reunion in this regard coming back all these years? Like, 
What was it like when they're like, hey, we're bringing Animania, Animaniacs back, and boom, you guys are in it again? Well, you know, I wish it were boom, man. It's like what happened was they actually took us to a really fancy dinner. And I was like, okay, why is the studio taking us to a fancy dinner? This is nice. I like fancy dinners, but I wonder why. And we sat there at a table, and, uh, you know, Sam Register, who's an amazing amazing guy in the hierarchy of animation for TV right now. He's doing a fantastic job. And he said, listen, you know, we just want to give you guys a heads up. We're thinking about bringing back Animaniacs. And we all looked at each other and went, oh, wow. Okay, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think they were expecting us to be much more, you know, over the top. And we, we were, but we were sort of like, hey, listen, man, this is Hollywood. We've all been here a long time. We know the way things work. And it's not that people aren't well-intentioned and they don't mean it. It's just there's a ton of stuff. You're like, you know, hey, this is going to happen. We're going to make this movie. We're going to make this show. We're going to do this. We're going to have that dinner. We're going to get together for lunch. And nothing happens. So I remember when we all stood there after, after Sam and, uh, and, and those folks said goodbye, and me and Robin Tress were standing on the steps, and we said, really would be cool, wouldn't it? And we all said, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow when we're doing this cartoon or that cartoon. And we went our separate ways. And sure enough, two years later, we were at the studio doing animatics. It took two years from that dinner to the time of recording it. And then, then another two years for the first episode to air. So what I guess I'm saying is animation takes a while, folks. Hopefully it's worth the wait. <laughs> it's not South Park where they digitized everything and they can turn around in a week. Right, exactly. And those guys, I don't know how they have that incredible system, but they sure do. Yeah, I give them credit, man. I, you know, I, I started watching South Park freshman year of college when it came out. At first, I didn't get why Kenny died every week, and then all of a sudden, it just hit, and I was like, all right, it's cool. Oh, man, no, that joke still cracks me up to this day. It's funny stuff. You know, the, the thing is, is like, I know you guys were like, okay, cool, and they told you about it, but there has to be something like, when I talked to Tress, and they're bringing back Tiny Toons, and she said she might not be a part of it as Babs, and then I remember I had talked to June Foray when she was in her early 90s, mm-hmm. and... um she was recording the voice of Rocky for something, and yep. she said, instead of sending another car for me later, since I'm already here, do you want me to do Natasha? And the it was either the engineer or the producer that replied, don't worry, we found somebody that sounds just like you to do Natasha. Like, yeah. does that feel like, you know, like in the 90s when lip syncing was a big thing and artists had models dubbed over their voices, does it feel like they ripped out your, your vocal cords? When they get to, when they get a sound alike, when they could actually just have you, you know what, man? That's that's an, an interesting question. I, I have done uh, a lot of work as a celebrity voice match, and I've actually been there, you know, in the waiting room when the celebrity themselves walks out of the room, and I'm like, well, why didn't they just have them do it? It turns out it was because they were replacing like curse words or something, and the celebrity didn't want to do that, so they get somebody like myself to do it. it it's, it's a weird, weird thing. As far as the way it applies to animation and the question you just asked, you know, there are certain things. It's like, uh, they're, uh, you know, I've been the voice of Crash Bandicoot for a long time for video games, and they just put out a new Crash game, and I didn't do the voice. My, my, my good friend Scott White, which is Scott White with a Y, uh, who's a really, really talented guy, he took the role of Crash on that gig. Now, did I know that when it happened? No. Was I upset about it? No, because I love Scott. He's a great guy. Will I be doing it again? I don't know. I would venture a guess that I probably will because things tend to come back around and they try different stuff and, you know, most things do come back around. I only think in my, in my own opinion, and this doesn't apply to Crash, it does, it does, however, apply to your thing about what you just said with Tress. If they do the Tiny Tunes thing, and they don't use Tress, mm-hmm. I think that that's a missed opportunity because she, you know, to a lot of people's ears, that's Babs Bunny, man. Right. You know, and, wh- and like you just said, I don't really get it. If, if June is in the room and she can still work that out and do Natasha, 
why on earth wouldn't you have her do it? You know, so so that that's my opinion, and I, I guess everybody has their reasons to do different things, and and uh, things get done for different motivations. But you know, I, I, I take everything with a grain of salt, man. So you know, when when, when stuff like that happens, I try not to pull it apart of me too much. Right. It, it just kind of makes me like bounce in of like, you know, Mel, Mel Blank was still around and you tell him, Hey, we got somebody to do Bugs Bunny that sounds just like you. Or, you know, even, uh, what's it called? Walt Disney. You're like, Oh, don't worry, Walt. I know you created Mickey Mouse, but hey, we'll, we got somebody else now. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, again, it comes, it comes down to, listen, if we tried to do the, the, you know, the Warner Brothers voices and they weren't there anymore, I would have been, I would have been like, hey man, you know, go with God, get somebody great, give them a chance, it's beautiful, man, let, let, you know, get some new blood. But, you know, we, we all can still easily produce those voices and, and have, and I'm sure the trust would, kill it all over again as Bounce Bunny. So I, I haven't heard that she's not doing it, and I'd like to believe that she will be. I hope so, too, man. You know, her and Charlie uh, killed it back then. I took a voice acting class with Charlie Adler. Uh, oh, good. It was, it was very interesting. I totally bombed the class because, like, you know, Charlie curses a lot, and that doesn't really phase me, but I was just like, huh, okay, because, like, I know the way my mind works, and, like, I don't want to come back with a comeback. And then it goes back and forth the whole time. You know what I mean? No, I get it, man. Charlie has his own. Charlie has his own style, and I love that guy, man. And 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 all that all that language is just a front for a very sweetheart. Right. I I totally hang with Charlie outside of it if he ever you know wanted to. But uh, yeah. And you mentioned Sam Register being with Warner yep. Brothers, so yep. I would be stupid not to mention this because I say it as often as I can, and I think I've tweeted Wes Gleason this as many times as possible. Who he oh, probably cool. blocked me at this time. Is that since, you know, my mom's from Beirut, I'm Lebanese, I want to be the voice of Simon Baz, the Lebanese Green Lantern. So I'm just throwing it out there constantly. Well, man, listen, good luck with that. I hope you make it, brother. <laughs> you know, plus I'd get to be a Green Lantern. So how, how bad would that be? There's, hey, there's nothing wrong with being a superhero, however you make it happen, you know? Exactly. And <laughs> the, the thing on top of all of this, you know, we're revisiting this, the characters are fresh. You know, now you have your wife with you who's watching the, you know, watching the new run episodes with you for the first time in comparison yep. to, you know, when you were 15 and recorded the first set. Yep. <laughs> you know, what's it, what's it like for you to, to watch the new cartoons? You know, animation's slightly different. It's evolved in comparison to, to the first run, but it, it has to. It can't look exactly the same forever. Um, sure. It looks great. I'm not, I'm not ragging on the animation by any means. You know, it's just. No, no, no. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, well, my experience watching it is, is, is blissful because, you know, she digs it. She dug it when she was a kid, too, which is fantastic. She used to watch it on Maniac, so that's pretty awesome. But, um, well, you know, watching it with her, we get to laugh at, the, at it for the first time. But what I love is a bigger picture thing, RC, is, is the idea of, you know, we, we all get told because we do, you know, we, when the world was allowed to, we used to do personal appearances all the time and sign stuff and go meet people out there on the road who love the work that we've all done, you know. And one of the, my, my favorite comments that I get is, you know, you were my childhood. You were my childhood. And what's really cool is because we've managed to continue to work so much over the years, every five years you get to be somebody else's childhood. You're, it's a new, it's a new group of children watching, whether it's Animaniacs or Transformers or Doc McStuffins or whatever it happens to be. So that's an awesome thing. My favorite image for this whole thing, uh, you know, with, with the reboot is the parents who watched the show when they were in school sitting down on the couch and watching new episodes with their little ones. That just makes me so happy. I can't even tell you. You know what? Someone needs to make a first watch party where the parents are watching their kids watch Animaniacs. I know. How cool would that be, right? Wouldn't that be something? 
Dude, that would be awesome. I don't have kids of my own, so I, I couldn't do it, but I know there are people out there that do. So everyone, you got a free YouTube idea. And from, yeah, from what I'm hearing, man, that, that is happening. They're all, they're watching it together and that just lights me up. I can't wait to, for many reasons, I can't wait to get out there again and see all our, all the friends we've made, you know, all around the world on the road. But I really want to hear about their experiences watching the new show. I really do. Right. And with social media, it's totally different because in 1993, you recorded, let's say, 23 episodes, 24 episodes. Sure. You went on to the next gig. And then they're like, oh, we're inviting you to Comic-Con or WonderCon or whatever con to show yeah. up. And you're like, okay, cool. I guess it was, you know, I guess after, you know, realizing that the numbers were good, were good enough to be at a convention. Now you have that instant gratification, almost like a fighter or an athlete where, you know, the season drops and like, boom, we watched the first five episodes and, you know, this is awesome. Just was great. Or then you'll have your critics that want to be, you know, cantankerous just for the sake of it. And, uh, or contrarian for the sake of it, and you get that reaction. So what is it like to get the instant reaction rather than waiting weeks or even months to go to a convention? You know, it's, it, that, that's a funny question too. It's like, uh, in a, in a way, you know, first of all, what, what, one thing that's very interesting, one thing that's changed since, uh, since the original run of the show, and, and unfortunately I don't think it's changed for the better, is there's a lot of what you call like, you know, hate culture or haters, you know, and I remember before anything had happened with the show, before, you know, we, anything had come out or anything, I don't really live or die by that stuff and I really don't pay it too much, you know, good or bad, but on the rare occasions that I would see something, that would always be, oh, this is going to be terrible, it's going to be a train wreck, I can't bear to look, and I'm like, you haven't seen anything yet, and I know that the internet gives a platform to anybody to say anything, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing, but what was nice is when the trailer came out, it was greeted with so much love. And so much, you know, oh my gosh, it's, it's, you know, just like I remember, it's as good as or better as I remembered. And I'm laughing and I'm crying as I write this. And there was so this beautiful stuff. And that was nice to see. You know what I mean? It's nice to see it in being embraced and loved instead of just people looking for a reason to hate stuff because I don't support that idea. In terms of, you know, having it come out all at once, that's a little odd for me, man, because, you know, like I mentioned, uh, Cara and me, we've been watching it together and, and we love it and it's just as fun as it can be to watch it. But I almost don't want it to end. You know, it's, it's like we're eight episodes in or something, I think, because we've been kind of pacing it out a little bit and saying, okay, well, let's not watch it all at once. Let's, 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 you know, give it a chance to, to enjoy it over, over a little bit of time. But you're counting the episodes. And even as it is, the thing busted out last Thursday. It's, what is today? Well, Tuesday. Yeah, today's Tuesday. We're halfway through the season in, in one week. You know, and I know a lot of people who got through it in one day. Right. So there's, there's, it's nice that you can have the full binge, man, and go for it and see everything. But I, I, it kind of makes you nostalgic for the days when you had to wait a week and you were like, I can't wait to see the new one. I can't wait to see the new one. Or even, even the next day or however they rolled about back then, right. you know? And then back then it'd be like, don't tell me I'll watch it. And then, you know, I recorded it on a VHS cassette and then yeah. I can watch it. Now it's like, don't tell me I'm only on episode three. <laughs> I know exactly, right? It, it is the truth, man. <laughs> but, all right, since, it, you know, the show's dropped, people have wa watched it all the way through, you know, in one sitting. Uh, hopefully someone took a bathroom break, you know, at least. Hopefully. You know, re re you know, stretch your legs a little bit in between episodes. You're allowed to do so within the credits. Yeah, we can only hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah no. What does Thanksgiving look like at your house now that not only Animaniacs is back, Animaniacs is a hit again, and on top of everything else, you know, everyone's falling in love with Yakko, Wacko, and Dot for, for the second time? 
Oh, man, you know what? That's a very sweet question. I really like that question. Uh, Thanksgiving, you know, at our house, Thanksgiving, first of all, is one of my, this is not lip service, it's one of my favorite holidays. Because I think that as a culture in America, we have a tendency to just sort of take things for granted. And, and I, I wish that weren't so, and I'm not saying that for everybody. It's just kind of natural to go, you know, oh, man, this is the way life is, and this is cool. I think Thanksgiving is great because I'd like to believe that it gives us the opportunity to, to take a day to actually look around us and go, wow, we have so much. And I know that right now at this time, you know, that can be really challenging. Uh, but things could always be worse. And I'm glad that they're not, you know, as bad as they could be, I hope, for most people. You know, um, we have so much to be grateful for every day. And, 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 and everybody does. You can always find something to be grateful for. And, you know, Thanksgiving this year will be particularly notable because of the fact that not only all those nice things you just said, yeah, people love the characters and the show is a hit and, and you know, the numbers are really good and all that other stuff. But what I love about it is that we are making the world a little bit happier at a time when the world could use it because it's been a pretty dark year. And I love, I love the fact that at the end of the day, my job isn't saving the world, but it is making the world hopefully feel a little bit better even just for a minute. And, I, and I'll take that, you know. I dig it. Twenty-two minutes at a time. You're doing it. You're doing it that way. That's it, brother. Yeah. That's it. All right, Jess. I'm going to put this out to you before I let you go, because I I know you're a rocker. We're going to have some fun when the whole world comes back to life. Yep. And I'm going to name drop one more person just because of it, and so people can curse me out in the comment section. Kari Walgren's got her own '80s hair metal cover band called Slot Her. Yes, she does. Uh, when she we sure finally does. gather and Kari can perform again, we got to go hang out at one of her shows at least. Well, you know what you got to do too, man. You got to check out. I don't know if you're aware of it. I, I have a band, and, and the band started as a, as a goof. It just started as a like a a joke kind of an idea between me and my best friend. I said it'd be really funny if an '80s hair metal band like you know Def Leppard or Poison or Guns N' Roses or something got shipwrecked at the end of the '80s on a desert island. And they had nothing to listen to for 20 years but pop records from the 80s. So they basically got brainwashed into thinking that pop was metal and metal was pop. They were the same thing. So when they get rescued, I said to my, my guitar player, who's my buddy, I said, wouldn't it be funny that you guys could like play a Metallica song and I could sing a Journey song on top of the Metallica song or you could play like an ACDC song and I could sing a Madonna song? And he said, well, how would that work? So we, we fleshed it out, made a video. Video went viral, got millions of hits. Our band, which is called Rock Sugar, ended up opening for bands like ACDC and Linkin Park and Aerosmith and bands like that out on the road. We would play for 20,000, 40,000, 60,000 people. Now, this was all about 10 years ago, but we right now are in the final stages of finishing our second album, which as good as the first album was and people really loved it, um, we actually couldn't sell it anymore because a singer who I was imitating on the record heard it and thought it was him. So uh, we had to go to court and prove that it wasn't him singing, it was me singing. But anyway, we, we were in the final stages of making this new album, and I guarantee you, if you ever liked anything about the 80s or pop music or rock music, you will freaking love this. And all you got to do to get a free tune, the first the first song from the new album, get it for free, no obligation, go to saverocksugar.com, and there's a funny little video you can watch, and we would love you to check out the album at, at, you know, on us. So so take the free song and rock out to it. Awesome, man. And you know what? When, when we end the interview, I'll give you my email so you could send me the album so I could review it for you guys. Well, that's very sweet. And go to this, uh, if you go to Save Rock Sugar, put your email in there, and you can also send a note to us on Facebook, and that's the best way to communicate all that stuff. So please do. Perfect. So saverocksugar.com for the, for the album, but where can we find you on social media if we want to connect with you and tell you how much we love everything you've done? 
Oh, God, that's very kind of you, man. Jess Harnell underscore. That's, that's the primary spot on Instagram. I also have a Facebook and a Twitter. Say hi on any or all of those things, man. I would love to see everybody because I honestly, man, the way I look at it is, you know, I, I'll, I'll end things with this, man. I was doing a con once upon a time, and there was a, a very well-known TV star. In the, in the green room. And as I was sitting there having my lunch, he was he was kind of checking me out and looking at me. And I was like, well, I, I understand that because I look sort of different. I look like I just fell out of the white snake tour bus. But, uh, but you know, he, I, I said, hey, man, after, after a while, I said, what, what's up? Because I could tell he wanted to say something. And he said, yeah. He said, I, you know, I'm out there. I'm sitting across from you. And I said, yeah, I, I could see it. And he said, yeah. And he's like, you know, you got a, you got a pretty big line out there. And I went, oh, yeah, man, well, you know, God bless them. I said, I just hope they're not too disappointed when they get to the front. They find out it's not a log ride. It's just me. And a couple of people laughed and overheard. And he said, yeah. He goes, well, you take a lot of time with them, don't you? Because you, you take a lot of time. And I said, well, yeah, I figure, you know, if they're going to wait in line two hours to say hello, I may as well give them a few minutes and, and talk to them. Right. And he said, he goes, well, wouldn't you rather make more money? And, you know, to his point, obviously, the more people that you get in and out of your line, the more money you make. And I just thought about it for a second. And it wasn't premeditated at all, RC, but I go, well, you know, man, I'd rather make a difference. And what was that, the nicest part about that is that over the course of that con, that, that weekend, three other major TV stars came up to me and said, you know, I heard you talking to so-and-so, and I've started taking more time with the people. And that's really cool. So I've never looked at it like, you know, I have fans, because fans implies that I'm somehow up here and they're somehow down there. And the, the way I look at life is we are all in this together and we're all standing on the same ground and we all love stuff and don't love stuff. So when people like the stuff that I do and support the things that I do and want me to do well in the things that I do, I call those people friends. So you tell anybody that wants to come to my page, they are more than welcome. Just come as a friend and not a fan. Perfect, man. Jess, thank you so much. You made my afternoon. I wish you and your wife a happy Thanksgiving. And the rest of the holiday season, I hope you enjoy yourselves. Animaniacs is back. It's streaming all on Hulu right now. Uh, the original run and the new new series. Uh, be a total fanboy like myself. Go back, watch from 93 to 99, and then all of a sudden the new series on top of it. RC, you're a good guy. I wish you and yours the best Thanksgiving ever. And everybody listening, you two, love each other, hug each other, be thankful for each other. And uh, RC, yeah, definitely check out Rock Sugar, man. Let me know what you think. I have a feeling you're going to get a big kick out of it. All right, you got it, man. I'll drop you a line through there. Okay, man, I appreciate that very much, everybody. God bless and thanks again, bro.